How's life? And today we're gonna try to really answer that question. Now, if you have listened to any of the podcasts I produced with Frank, um, it's on Spotify called The Bit. You can check it out if you'd like to. You might know that I really love to quantify things, and that makes sense. I'm a math person. So, for example, human value. Is can you put a number on it? Can you create a human value test? That's something we looked into. Um, personalities. Can you really create a good personality test? And today I want to address the question: Can you quantify how's life? Can you put a number on your satisfaction or contentment? And sort of the inspiration behind this idea. Um, comes from a statistic I I heard a long time ago. I heard that, and I had to look this up, that there's a gross national happiness statistic that is measured annually. And the top countries for happiness are Finland, Denmark, Norway, a lot of the uh, European progressive countries and my curiosity is, first of all, how in the world is that measured? And is happiness, contentment, is that measurable? Um, how do you measure the quality of a life? And I think the reason they're measuring these things is we say, oh, GDP, right? That's how great your country is, how much money is flowing around. And that's, I think we all can agree, that's not what it's all about. Right? There's so much more to the the quality of a country than than just money so they tried to create a happiness statistic and how does that work right can happiness be quantified the second reason i'm really interested in this is because once again i love to quantify things and i like the idea of having a very airtight rigorous policy for morality and I have decided to go with something like utilitarianism. And before I even knew what that was, I had this theory that everyone has like a happiness number. And the best choice in any given situation is the one which will optimize for net happiness. And that's not just net happiness now, of course, taking future net happiness into consideration. So it's like the cumulative net happiness over time principle. And and that was sort of like a satisfying mathematical model to me. Is that even practical? Can you even say what is what how happy somebody is or or even how a choice will affect a person's well being? What is this whole idea of contentment? What is happiness, Gordon? Um, happiness is an emotion. Okay. How happy are you right now from a scale from 1 to 10? Um, I am 
currently at a average state of happiness. Happiness is something that um, comes along with completing certain objectives that you might have and the meaning that you find out of those. So what yeah. would that look like to obtain happiness? To obtain happiness would look like self-fulfillment, which is different for everyone. Okay. But yeah. it, it's a product of your priorities and what okay. you choose to spend your time and energy in. All right. On a scale from one to 10, how happy are you right I now? guess I would say like a six. Okay. Yeah. It's high dopamine levels. <laughs> okay. So do you think you could chemically quantify it in terms of dopamine concentration in the blood? No, of course not, because like you're I don't, I don't, I don't, Lucas is just saying things. Lucas, happy, right? Lucas just yeah. wants to sound like Lucas. Do you think uh, we should all shoot up dopamine all the time then? Yes, we should shoot up dopamine. Like we should all take LSD and have our dopamine that. levels go up. Do you think instead of instead of creating welfare programs, we should just that have dopamine, dopamine houses? I mean, we'll have give a high people drugs, life, right? Can I ask you a question, Jason? Yes. Go ahead. So, what do you think happiness is? Happiness. Happiness is the realization that you're still better than someone else in this world. Interesting. So you think it is completely relative then? So there are two things. First, you have to have a body then that can produce like hormones to make like you feel happy. Okay. Second, you have to have a concept that makes your body produce endorphins. I see. And that concept you are arguing is a belief that you are better off than yeah, a certain number of people. World. Yes, in the world. Yeah. I think there is a ground state though. Like at ground state you are just experiencing no stimuli and mm -hmm. you're just there and you're kind of just kind of happy. Jason, so you mentioned that you have a ground state, right? That's not really unhappy or happy. Uh, and that ground state can change over time. Yes. So if you felt unhappy for long enough, mm -hmm. would that eventually become your ground state and you'd just feel normal then? Yeah, it's obviously. Okay. Well, I mean, you can feel you're normal and you are sad all the time. So. But will you notice that you're sad all the time? Yeah. Um, yes, I think so. For example, people who suffer from uh, uh, depression, yeah. they can say they're sad all the time. Yeah, and tortured all the time, and they, it can be the ground state because they're now ill, mentally. I see. Uh, but it's not really their ground state if they think it's sadness. It's it's below what they would consider to be normal. Do you think then they're comparing maybe their own perceived happiness to other people's happiness at that point rather yes, than their own? Probably. Interesting. Or I mean, they perceive that others are happier because they have the concept that they're ill, mentally. Interesting. So if, uh, if we all entered into a world where everyone was just, just so happy to, oh, to be alive, okay. right? Or yeah. you could go the other way too, but everyone was just enthusiastic to, to be living. Okay. Would that make you then feel less happy? Because in comparison, uh, you, you feel like you're at a lower state of happiness? No, because I won't adjust myself and become happy. It won't last long until I feel so enthusiastic about living uh -huh. and being alive. And so we're always in this uh, dynamic uh, adjustment. Yes. In obviously. which we are either adjusting 
to a lower ground state or a higher ground state? Yes. Interesting. And so when our ground state is becoming lower, that's when we feel happy. When our ground state is shifting upward, that's when we feel sad. No. Happy and sad can be temporal. Temporary. Because maybe you received, say, you are a very good student. You get 100 all the time. Uh-huh. Uh, say you get a 90, 96, and you just got so sad you wanted to kill yourself, but it's only temporary. Uh-huh. But then if you're a 90 student, you get 90 all the time, and you suddenly got a 96. If you're happy, but then it's only temporary. Mm-hmm. Um, the ground state is not your mood, right? Yeah. And happiness is spikes. I see. So ground state is maybe a moving average. Yes, it of is a moving whatever average. Whatever your happiness is. Well, I mean, when you are not receiving stimuli that make you more happy or less happy, mm-hmm. you are at the ground state. It is shift depending on the accumulated experience of yourself. All right, so some interesting thoughts from some students here at Monta Vista. I noticed a couple things, some trends in people's responses. First of all, when I asked them, so how happy are you from a scale from one to 10? They immediately inferred that five was sort of their neutral state. So when they thought of happiness, at least in any kind of quantified sense, they thought um, of it as relative to their own experience. And another interesting idea was Jason's idea that your happiness is relative to how you compare yourself to others. And as so it's comparing yourself to yourself and you're comparing yourself to others. And that makes a lot of sense because here we are in in first world America and back in the day, right, we would be living as kings and and everyone would think, wow, any of our lives would be amazing, right? And a lot of us are still really depressed or we just don't feel like that because we're comparing ourselves to others and maybe other people have better grades and other people have more friends and or just more, I don't know, money, resources. And so that's definitely true. We compare ourselves to a lot of things. So happiness is a very subjective and relative thing. That's sort of the lesson to be learned from a lot of these responses. Other people talked about how chemicals could be involved, right? So a lot of people think happiness is an emotion. And I think that makes a lot of sense. Like it's a positive emotion. Um, I think that's a difficult thing to put your finger on as well, though, because there's many different kinds of positive emotions. So Lucas mentioned dopamine levels, and I used to take an ADHD medication, which its sole purpose was to increase dopamine levels. So you'd think I'd be the happiest person on earth. What it did was help me be really productive and just motivated, Um, and I did feel super happy in the beginning. Like I was just, every day was the best day of my life. And I don't know, it could be that the effect changes, um, but I just got used to it, right? And then the motive, what used to be motivation turned into kind of like an anxiety, a little bit of stress. And I was actually happier when I got off the medication at a certain point. 
And so I think there's a lot more influencing things than just chemicals. I mean, I think I, I read an article a while ago about happiness as a chemical um, thing. And I read about how people were measuring different chemicals, different uh, like dopamine, I think like oxytocin is another pleasure hormone that people are familiar with but there are many there's many chemicals that are involved and um, they're going to try to like write a computer program that's supposed to assess how happy you are or something like that and again that's just so fascinating to me that we're we a lot of people seem really interested in quantifying um, people's contentment and why 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 is quantification of happiness seem so interesting to us it's because it does make decision making that much more objective. Like we, I think a lot of us believe we want to be happy, right? We want other people to be happy. So imagine the the studies you could do. Like you could say on on a package of M and M's, after consuming this, your happiness goes up 0.5 percent, you know, or or 10 utils or whatever happiness unit we want to create. Right. And um, you could you could study uh, people's happiness in different social situations in different schools. I don't know. And, and you could use that to uh, inform policy making um, and entrepreneurship. And that would just be a really powerful thing. So how are people trying to quantify happiness? The World Happiness Report I mentioned earlier uses this prompt. Um, all right, here we go. So let me just quote the Wikipedia article. The rankings of national happiness are based on a Cantrell ladder survey. And national representative samples of respondents are asked to think of a ladder with the best possible life for them being a 10, and the worst possible life being a 0. They are then asked to rate their own current lives on that 0 to 10 scale. Alright, so then the, the report correlates the results with various life factors. So this goes back to, I think, uh, Jason's idea, where you think about the worst possible life and the best possible life. And I think when our imagination of those things are greatly influenced one by our own experiences about like when our life was the worst and when our life was the best and like the projection uh, of experiences we see with others and that's why I feel like if you go to another country or something or you or you lose something that you took for granted and you just get a wider scope about how much more unhappy you could be how much worse your circumstances could be, then that scale changes. So that's that's an interesting way to do it. Um, and it, again, it's very self-reported in this case. And that takes in the assumption that people can accurately report their own happiness. I think if you were having a bad day, you would obviously respond to a survey question that your overall quality of life was worse. So there have been attempts to make a more precise uh, survey questionnaire. A little bit closer to home, my mom participated in a program in which she was given a quality of life survey. And they broke it down into various categories, such as relationships, 
such as your own, I don't know, like ambitions in terms of your projects or goals and different things like that. And actually, the Wikipedia World Happiness Report, I have come to find out, is actually not based on that general survey question. This one posted is based on weighing different categories such as healthy life expectancy, social support, GDP per capita, so money is involved, freedom to make life choices, whatever that makes, whatever that means, generosity, uh, perception of corruption. So you break it down into categories, but then again, this feels sort of arbitrary. Like, why is that really what makes people happy? Um, so if we can't even know our own happiness, who's to say some surveyor is going to have a better time discerning it? To shift gears here to another angle on the issue, earlier I mentioned the word utility. And we learned about utility in economics just a, a month or so ago, and we were taught that it is actually the quantification of an individual's satisfaction. And there are th these units called utils. Uh, and the units don't really have any practical meaning. They're just numbers that mean happiness. And what he did was he gave each of us fruit snacks and he told us to write down our happiness on a scale from one to ten I think and it was like out of five something like that in the beginning and then I ate a little fruit snack I was like oh, am I a little happier I don't know maybe like 5.5 5. Um, and then I kept writing down numbers and the idea was to demonstrate that the amount of, of increase in happiness from eating one additional fruit snack uh, was decreasing over time. So we were taking the fruit snacks for granted, basically, as we kept consuming them. And at some point, uh, we eating another fruit snack would actually bring us negative happiness. So we would stop, right? That's the idea. And this is an idea that's very intuitive to us, but used in this very rigorous context where you have some utility function um, it's just sort of an idea that, you know, doesn't sit quite right with you because you have to ask, how in the world do you really measure utility? Come on, like, you ask me my, my utility number, but you can't tell me that economic theory rests on, on the numbers people write down to describe their own happiness, right? And it doesn't. Utility has more usefulness than just people's subjective report of their own satisfaction. Utility is actually used in the context of decision making, which brings us to a mathematical model for human behavior called rational choice theory. In this model, um, you will choose whatever option brings you the most utility. Right? And that makes sense. You will do whatever makes you happier, quote unquote. And like, why is that even a theory? Why is that an idea? Um, that seems so obvious. The big assumption when you're quantifying happiness or anything else for that matter is that it can be placed on a scale. For example, when me and Frank were looking at personalities, um, the actual personality scales, the numbers you attach don't really matter. The point is that you have five scales right and those scales have an interpretation 
you can't put everyone's personalities on one scale, right? There's multiple dimensions, right? So the assumption is that happiness has one dimension, and this dimension has, you know, the properties that a normal scale would have. For example, if uh, some products such as fruit snacks brought you happiness, like 10 units of happiness, utils or whatever, um, and let's just use letters for now, like if product A um, brought you more happiness than product B, and product B brought you more happiness than product C, then if if everything is quantifiable in like a number, then product A should bring you more happiness than product C. That's the transitive property of the real line. And that's the keystone assumption to assigning a number to happiness. So theoretically, if you could imagine every possible circumstance, every possible moment in a life, and if you could ask enough would you rather questions, if you could say which which would you prefer, uh, would you prefer um, being in this situation with these memories, reading this book, you know, uh, when you're 32, or would you prefer like this situation? And if you gathered enough um, preferences, you could theoretically line them all up and then put units on it, I guess, and say uh, whatever your current situation is, um, where it is on that line of preferences, that's going to be your happiness level. But this assumption that you can line up all of the, these different situations on some kind of scale, like from 1 to 10, is turns out to be a, a rather poor assumption. And it works well in economics when you're dealing with maybe large groups of people, and it's a good approximation maybe. But people are very complicated, and I just read a paper called Transitivity of Preferences. And um, these three researchers uh, say, okay, actually the evidence is rather small that 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 you if you prefer A to B and B to C, then you prefer A to C. And they actually propose a new mathematical model for intransitive preferences. So it's like describing happiness. Uh, not with a line, but in some much more complicated way. So, as you can see, people are complicated. Quantification has its limitations, and that's to be expected. I feel like that's the conclusion that's always reached in these episodes where we talk about some kind of quantification. However, these simple models can still be very useful. I read a paper recently on conversion experiences, and the psychologist who wrote it used rational choice theory in this mathematical mo model to discuss this very um, human-level topic with emotions and spirituality involved. Um, and I also am studying artificial intelligence, and one of the key uh, methods is called reinforcement learning, and it in it the computer has like a happiness level it's a reward state and its objective is to maximize that state so it's a very prolific idea that happiness can be quantified 
The reason I wanted to research this was because I was starting to wonder whether happiness was even a useful concept. I mean, when somebody asks, how's life? I, I mean, I've asked that question to so many people just because I just like the way it sounds. I don't know. Seems like they, like the cover art on this podcast, they want to click that button. Don't ask me again because it just catches you off guard. And when you say, how are you? You can automatically respond, oh, I'm doing good. But when you say, how's life? It seems like, oh, man, now I have to make an effort to be introspective. And it's just so hard, I think, for us to even know how well we're doing. And if we had like a particularly bad day, maybe we can know. But when it when we're looking at long-term things, it seems like it's just really hard to know what this thing is that we call like your well-being. And um, another thing was we often associate happiness with preference, right? And that's the whole idea that I was talking about behind economics and everything, the rational choice theory, that happiness is the same thing as preferences. Basically, if you are getting what you want, then you are happy. And I am not sure if that is true. That seems to imply that if people could do whatever they wanted to do, they would be as happy as they could ever be. And that's that doesn't seem to, to hold. It seems like um, when people have, say, a lot of money, they spend it on making themselves look like they are in a high social status. And why do they do that um, if it doesn't seem to make them any happier? So it seems like there is maybe something called happiness that's maybe different from how we act and what we want and it's just very elusive and I'm frustrated by the fact that we can't pin it down and we can't say so here's the goal here's the thing we're trying to maximize and I can't just look inside myself and see how happy I am and figure out what makes me happy and what job I want to do that's and what kind of people I should hang out with that are going to give me the most happiness in my life right and what principles to hold that are gonna bring out about the most you know fulfillment I think if this idea of happiness were the same for everyone we would have figured it out by now but it's not for example um, people say don't be a workaholic you have to have a family and spend time with them and it's in relationships that you really find your joy in life but I know some extreme workaholics that don't have a family that seem really happy and they just love their work I think the ability to discern what makes you happy like what actually makes you happy might be one of the most important qualities you can have because it's easy to fool yourself. It's easy to tell yourself that this is good for you. That, you know, you should go and be a lawyer and make lots of money. Make Pops proud. In English, we're reading Return of the Native. And Klim has sort of this life crisis where he quits his job as this businessman in Paris. And comes back to the country where he was raised. And his mother is thinking, wow, you're, you're, uh, 
you're a failure, right? Go back and be successful. And he's saying, what is success really? What is well-being? And I think that's a question we all have to ask ourselves and is perhaps one of the most important question we can ask ourselves. So keep asking that question and take the question, how's life? Seriously. I'm the happy. Clever, no, if you know what happiness is to you.